0: And welcome to episode five of the Broker Collective. We have made it to episode five. It would be six if you include the special that we did about the 99% mortgage, which we will come to in a second. As always, I am Riz Money Malik. And joining me, we have Lewis Trawlerman-Shaw, also known as, or probably changing to Trollerman Mortgages, and Jamie DeMora-Lennox. Hi, guys. How's it going? All good, oh, good,
1: my man. All good. Are we living the dream? Something like that. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. It's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare rather than a dream. But yeah, we're living something.
0: I found it personally very hard coming back to the doom and gloom after a week in the sun but we are not gonna let that stop us because we are professionals and we are going to crack on. Now, the first topic of conversation today, uh, we are recording this on the 1st of March. So pinch punch, the first of the month, guys. We are gonna be talking about the 24 hour pledge and I'm gonna kick this one off. We've had many mortgage lenders report some pretty stellar profits uh, in the last couple of weeks or so. And we are talking into the billions with a B rather than just the millions. We have also seen with the volatility that's happened in the Sonia, uh loose like this, the Sonia swap rates. We've also seen some pricing going up and down as well uh, as a result. We have seen some lenders going back, unfortunately, to the practices of 2023 with some short notice withdrawals. We have some lenders, even on a Friday as we speak, withdrawing products, but it's okay. They're giving brokers until eight o'clock in the evening on a Friday to try and get cases in. Now, in 2023, when the three of us... uh, uh, as well as with news Page came up with the 24-hour pledge. We were asking lenders to try and give us 24 hours notice wherever possible when they were pulling rates. Many cited, many including, let's shout out to Coventry Building Society, cited that it would be an issue financially if there were movements into the market and they honoured rates. However, considering they are still earning record profits, do we still take this as an excuse? It certainly does irritate the broker community and make our blood boil when this does happen. Uh, And Lewis and Jamie, we have been talking about this, so I'm gonna throw it over now to Jamie. Let's hear your thoughts. Yeah,
2: we're we're back to where we once begun um, with little to no regard to brokers uh, and customers at the end of the day. Um, very, you know, still seeing the same culprits repeat this time and time again with minimal notice on withdrawal of products. And ultimately, we all know that it's not a case of they're just sitting in a, a boardroom at 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, deciding we're now going to put rates up. These are pr- planned, they're calculated, The sourcing systems are probably made well aware in advance. They can update their systems accordingly. We're just asking for a little bit more heads up. And we appreciate it's not always going to be a position where we can give 24 hours. Well, lenders can't. Well, Coventry can, but apparently others can't. Um, Just do it early in the day. Give us a fighting chance in hell to actually get something across the line. Because, you know, if you want stuff to be, if they want stuff done packaged properly, that's putting compliantly on there as well, Stop backing brokers into a corner and creating potential risks for all parties involved. At the end of the day, and ultimately as well, there's a consumer at the end of it. So, yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned previously, the FCA talks about number of people in financial distress, uh, and this is forcing people into a rust decision, which they potentially haven't, potentially always fought through because of fear of if we don't make a decision now, this rate's going to be gone. So, it's bad on all parts. I think it goes against a lot of consumer duty um so yeah more needs to be done um the lenders such as coventry and some of them all kind of uh, i think empowered normally still been pretty good i think um generation home has still been pretty good around it but it's the same old suckers that are uh you know repeating of, of history of old how do we get through to the lenders
0: lewis we are constantly told that brokers and clients are at the front of any decisions that are made but what is the justification for this to happen especially now when one would argue even though markets are still you know quite choppy they're nowhere near where they were you know after trustnomics and for most of 2023
1: how do we get through to lenders i don't think we do i think it's a piss tape and it, it clearly is now we've seen the the the, the levels of profits that lenders are posting it is a piss take there's no two ways of cutting it you know they can do it they just don't want to do it so that's my attitude now if that's what if if that's the game they're going to play then let's play that game that's me
0: what do you mean playing that what do you mean playing that game and please lewis remember that there may be children listening even though this is not, actually scrap that, this is not designed for children. This is designed for mortgage intermediaries over the age of 18, so, but you know what I mean.
1: So play the game, as in, lenders that start doing this, why, why don't we just, if we take a stand clearly they, are, clearly they aren't going to um, do this by design, as in they're not going to adhere to a 24-hour pledge. The only other way the, the only other way that we can do this is by taking a standard I'm gonna give it I'm gonna I'm going be all socialist as I am um, and say then it's in our then it's our' then it's, it's, it's our power isn't it so if we stop using lenders they do this if we if we cease to play their game then they'll change. Believe believe you me, they will change. If we stop submitting cases, they will change.
0: And it's the audacity of people thinking, oh, we're being fair because we're keeping it open until eight o'clock or 10 o'clock in the evening. We have had Saturday before. If I have an issue with that case, if the computer system uh, goes down, who do you call? How can you get through to somebody at the end of the day? If you're going to, and the argument even last year was if you are going to have your support staff match the hours that the product is available and you can cope with it, then fair and happy days. But when you don't, I think that really does, you know, really highlights the fact that you can say that, you know, broker well-being and mental health is something that they all jump on the bandwagon for. But when the actions say something different, I think that says a lot about it. I feel really passionately about exactly. it. know that exactly. you
1: guys do too, as is, well. Is, we can't let entire, it go on. This is the entire problem: is that we're meant to be partners, and I don't care if we are partners or if we're just at all. I, I, I don't, I genuinely don't care. But the one surefire way of stopping this behaviour is by not submitting cases. That's it. That's all we have left. That's all we have left. And if we do that. And if we all do it together, they'll very quickly they'll learn.
0: And the arguments always been if the likes of the Coventry can do it, it, it was, was a tra- pledge. It was a pledge. No one's saying do it every single time. It is a pledge. Try, but it just it's just like it's a, it's starting to get to a, a situation where it's more of a, a feeling of disdain that they're treating the broker community. And ultimately our clients, because that's where the fear comes from, with regards to level of contempt. We've had this conversation, we've highlighted the situation, but you continue to do the same thing again. Jamie,
2: how can we make lenders listen? I think that's the only way, unfortunately. Um, we are a very, although brokers are now going to account for, what, 90% of all mortgage transactions going through over the next Is that not like the highest
0: years? it's ever been? I don't recall yeah, it. I thought far. it was
2: in the 70s. I didn't by recall it being that high. Um, so they're expecting it to get higher. Banks are closing branches. So they haven't got staff to service mortgages in person on there as well. So we are, you know, we are the lead source to them getting business at the moment in time for the vast majority of time. Um, but it's, it's, as Lewis mentioned, it's not a two-way relationship. It's it's very much a, a take, take, take at the moment in time. Um, and, you know, individually, we are very, very small cogs in a far greater will, but you know, if lots of cogs all fail at the same time and fall away from it, it that's the only time when something will change. And ultimately, it could it fall. It, we're now at that point of it can fall foul of advice now as well. Oh, what I mean by that is, you're looking at lenders and who's sourcing top, and you're going, well, X lender, they've pulled rates at really short notice previously. I know this customer that I've um, sent this, illust- you know, I need to get an illustration over to doesn't finish work till six, seven, eight o'clock at night. So they're not going to read it to this evening. I'm just going to skip that lender. There's a chance because the likelihood is that recommendations no longer be valid by the time they've actually looked at it. So I think that brokers will start not just looking at, you know, less at the top of the pile and looking at actually the behavior from that lender. And there will be brokers that will go, your behavior is you're on my naughty step pretty much and I'm not going to want to put business your way for how things have been done. So I think it's the shooting themselves in the foot in the long run. It's
0: not in the spirit of consumer duty as far as I'm concerned and it. we're members of multiple broker groups. Obviously, we come together as the broker collective and As I've said this before, the Broker Collective isn't the three of us. The Broker Collective is a collective of all the brokers who want to come under the banner of our decentralised group here. It comes to a point where we say the same thing over and over again. You do that. Our businesses have all suffered in 2023. Our profits are down in 2023. uh, We've really taken the hit. But to say that you can't because you're going to get caught out and then still be recording profits in the billions, in the billions, this is what really gets my, gets my go. So hopefully any uh, brokers or intermediaries who are listening and who agree with what we say, please, on whatever platform it is, contact us uh, and just keep on putting Uh, pressure on your own business development managers and highlight this conversation. And we really need to have this dialogue because we're just being paid lip service. Otherwise, Um, I feel very passionately.
1: Riz, what's your coach's name? (laughs)
0: Lewis. (laughs) Good name. And we will use that as the opportunity to move on to our next topic. We are parking the 24 hour pledge and we are moving over to next week's budget. And also, something that's broken within the last or well, since yesterday evening is that the concept or the idea of the 99% mortgage seems no more. Lewis, what are you now expecting from the budget and why do you think the 99% mortgage may, because we still don't 100%? 200 no one's confirmed it but then no one confirmed it in the first place we would 99 may
1: have died a death well it's not it's, it's, it's not unsurprising that the 99 mortgages died a death i mean that was i mean most of us were against it even though randomly people seem to think on twitter i was for it even though i said very clearly we should do something around deposit levels even though it, you know but we we don't want to go to one percent Um, What do I want from from the budget? I would like a general election. I just want to go in an election. I'm, I'm sick to death of them trying to invent schemes, come up with fancy promises, all the rest of it. What people want, as in people on the street, people that I speak to day to day want an election. They want a choice, is what people want. And so, if that choice isn't given to them, then that's going. To, they're going. To, they're going to be more and more angry. And so, what what do we expect? Maybe some tax cuts. Maybe some kind of tinkering at the edges, but nothing fundamentally to change the shape of where we're going.
2: Jamie. Yeah. So I think the ninety nine percent mortgage was. Obviously, I'm sure Jeremy Hunt was very for it, but it sounds like from the news reports that come out, the banks are very concerned about risk of arrears for that type of mortgage and ultimately repossessions in the long run and negative equity. So, yeah, it sounded like it's, it's doomed before it even gets off the ground, um, which probably leaves them scratching the head and a little bit red faced of what are we going to do around the housing market to get some feel good factor back into the property market for the rest of this year. What do I see coming out of it? Obviously, I talked about national insurance cuts. We're, We're still voying on a very rocky path as well around inflation and mortgage rates as well. So in one aspect, you try and win voters and you go for tax cuts to, you know, more money in people's pockets, feel good factor, but that will potentially have a negative impact then on inflationary risks. And then we start seeing mortgage rates creep up on there as well. So it's lose lose really, regardless of the outcome of it, because you do something properly, you know, something tax efficient, it's going to be, it's going to hit you in another way. Or they don't do anything, and actually, inflation comes down a bit more. But then it's, there's no real wins for them heading into an election race. So I don't think an awful lot's going to come out. Um, whether they do anything around stamp duty, I'm not sure. I know they've been toying around inheritance tax as well. Whether going to do something about that. It's, it's, it's very much a case so i'm sure very early next week we'll probably get some more stuff drip fed what they're looking to do is as if it's uh unofficially released but more tested the water but we shall see i'm not expecting
0: anything from this budget of substance now to help the uk housing market i think the stamp duty holiday concept has been written out uh i think that now I can't see any major incentive for people to buy properties. I don't think there'll be anything in this budget that's going to massively help stimulate this market. Having And I was really looking forward to the government using it as a chance, even if they are doing this for their their own motives with an election around the corner to try and get some impetus into this market. And now failing that, I think that's only going to come, even if inflation hits the 2% and it's going to bounce back up with the first base rate cut. And with more and more people now expecting that to be uh, in summer, I think HSBC citing August potentially for the first rate cut, if it does happen, I think this market's going to still be in limbo land going forward, even though uh, the UK house prices rose more than expected for February, uh, with data that's uh, just recently come out, house prices still seem to be quite resilient, don't
1: they? D- does no one think? That, I mean, does no one think that this points to a broader issue? What's so, that? So the issue is, people's wages aren't rising at the same price as houses. People are losing their jobs. We've seen lots of redundancies and yet and yet cash prices continue to rise despite people being worse off
0: what would gary stevenson say lewis
1: what gary stevenson would say is this is absolutely playing out exactly as as he predicted and that's the worry isn't it the worry is is that he's right because if he's right we're knackered What do you mean? Expand on that, please, for some of our
0: listeners who aren't familiar with the former city trader and now Lewis's
1: uh, idol, idol, Gary Stevenson. So, Gary Stevenson's entire premise is basically that house prices, well, asset prices, rather, not necessarily just house prices, but asset prices will continue to rise despite people, people being worse off simply because. We gave out so much money at the start of COVID and that has yet to find its home. And if that continues to happen, then of course the middle class will be priced out of home ownership, potentially. So his entire thing was, and is rather, that people at the bottom end of the spectrum, the low income people, they will miss out. And then it and, and now we're moving up the income spectrum where people in the middle will start to be priced out. And the bigger worry is, is that when people in the middle start to be priced out, that's that's a lot of people. And if that happens, then we're in for a real rough ride because we'll end up with a political system that is governed by people that don't know what they're doing. I mean, we've already got that. But also we'll end up with a system where no one owns anything, and you will and you'll be. be happy. And, and, yeah, and, 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 and as much as I am not a fan of conspiracy theories, and I know Jamie isn't, either, but, but,
2: but, but, I do love one really.
1: Yeah, he does want, he does to be fair. Yeah. Um, but we're heading in that direction, and that's not healthy for a democracy.
0: But, guys, there was something that I read last week, and while I was sitting in the sun and it was from a Tory MP and I can't find the article and it remains nameless but it was suggesting some alternatives one being allowing deposits to be done on a student loan style basis so you basically advance I think the premise was to advance people a deposit and they can repay it back out of their paycheck for a number of years but obviously I'm not sure how that might how that would work if you've already got a student loan your affordability is going to be knackered then but the other concept which i find very found very interesting was relating to people's pension contributions and i think the premise was in the early years or you know people can decide to divert the their pension deductions into a pot for a deposit and I was actually thinking about that. And I was actually thinking that makes some sense. Now, the mechanics of doing that, I think, would take a lot of doing because obviously you've got the pension rules and regulations and this, that and whatever. But if you think about it, the earlier you start making contributions to a pension plan, the better because you are then benefiting from compounding, et cetera, et cetera for somebody in their 20s or 30s, what is their main financial priority is to get onto the housing ladder. So if that can happen, and potentially them not need as big of a mortgage, I really like the idea of that. And it was actually some fresh thinking. So how do we solve? And by solve this problem, I mean, something that is feasible to do within a space of a year or put something in place. How do we... Get people
1: onto that ladder? We don't. I, 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 I'll jump in here. We don't. I think this is really dangerous, actually. Why is it dangerous? Because people don't save enough for the pensions anyway. Yeah. Already, people don't save enough for the pensions. And so, by diverting more money into the housing market, we are only going to ex- exacerbate the problem that already exists. I'm sure Jamie's going to come in now. Uh, and with an absolutely stunner line but i don't think that is the way forward because we're just we are just we don't build enough homes the people that we have it's a really really simple fix it's not easy but it is simple build more homes
2: yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to echo lewis a little bit on that as well i've the pension well if if this does materialize and people can access their pensions towards the deposits everyone needs to get equity release ready and gear up around that market because that is going to be huge in years to come when people get to the end of it and they haven't got that compound interest uh you know building the hefty pension pot when they do need one and there's not you know we're doubtful there's going to be a substantial private pay, state pension available in the future or state retirement age has now moved to 70 75 because it's not funded no more so there is the the real risk we're gonna end up with a a backlog of lack of pensions pots to live off, a cost of living that's only going to ever increase, um, and a need to release equity from a property. Uh so equity release would be huge. And it's gonna it's, yes, it's a real risk because it's taken away that planning of it. Um and there was so much onus on trying to get people to pay into pensions earlier with automatic opt-in, where, you know, before you didn't have to pay into it whereas now there is and there's a lot more pressure on employers to put more in. So it's like taking a backward step and it is element of short-sightedness and it will come down to is wages don't go up as quickly as house prices do. And ultimately the, 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 as a country, we don't build enough homes. We can get back into brick deliveries if we want to not this week, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there's just not enough homes being built. Um, and that's always going to be the issue is planning takes far too long. Um Developers are, you know, we've built a society now and of, you know, it's private developers that build the homes. So this is the system is in when the government don't build enough, uh, regardless of whatever parties in charge. Uh keep it neutral on that front. Um and we're left with private developers that are building the homes, but it's you know, yes, they make profits, but they are privately owned, they've got shareholders, they need to appease same with everything, but it's too hard to get planning. You could have a site that's in planning for best part of there's a big plan around Norfolk that they want to do this kind of outer triangle of building like 10,000 homes in this area. i are like 10 years on, just nothing really moving forward on it as well. And it's, it just takes too long to deliver the actual property. So planning needs to be easier. Um, and if you build more homes, ultimately then house prices don't need to go up as quickly because you need people to buy them at them prices. So,
0: well, keeping
2: on the new build theme,
0: we are going to now, talk about Own New. And Own New is a scheme open to anyone purchasing a new build property, including first-time buyers and home movers, which has recently been released. Now, which of My two trusty companions would like to talk more about this scheme where some of the nation's largest house builders, including Barrett's, Permisson, Taylor Wimpey, Bellway, and Berkeley Homes, as well as Davidson's, have uh, entered into a scheme which is aimed at helping people onto the property ladder slash buying more new bills. Lewis. It's a
1: complete and utter piss take. Don't it's hold back your face feelings, face. Lewis. Express yourself and your
0: emotions.
1: I'm, um, I'm, I'm genuinely. I'm in one of those moves today. I'm just going to say, I say it out of tears. This is an absolute piss take. So this idea that developers and, are, are, well, developers are going to provide housing at, at subsidised costs to their profit margins. It's just nonsense, it's absolute nonsense. The best of it is, is that all these kind of houses that have been built, they're not going to sell for less than their book price on it. They? They're not gonna sell for less than their book price, let's be honest. So when you work the maths on this, even this kind of own new type rate, however they structure that, you're still better off just buying a cheaper home. <coughs> so if you've if you got a home, so so own new, they use a figure of £350,000 as a mortgage. On that basis, the purchase price is £388,888 8, 8, 8 recurring. That's the price if, if you're working in LTV. So even on that scenario, if you've got that, if you've got that ten percent deposit, thirty-eight thousand eight hundred eighteen pounds and eighty-eight pence recurring, you are still better off negotiating a five percent discount and then buying with your thirty-eight thousand eight hundred eighteen pounds deposit, because over time, that still works out better than some kind of fancy and some kind of fancy gifted deposit scheme essentially which is what it is and let's not let's not beat around the brush the, the less you borrow the less you pay back and all this is going to do is prop up prices and it's a it's, it's a it's a sneaky way of enabling developers to stop to, to basically to to avoid posting losses that's it that's that's it
2: Jamie, oh, yeah. is this um, it? It's right. I'll, I'll do another spin on it. So one element, does it get house builders building? Yes, it does. Uh, and so, yeah, we get more houses into it. But there is level, I prefer help to buy over it, to be perfectly honest. Um, the likes of, if something like that was about, I think that's more advantageous in the long run. Whereas this just seems to be, it's it's kicking a can down the road. So what we're going to see is, you know, a mass influx on an estate of people buying while rates are so high, buying on a new build estate to get a very low rate. And in the best will of the world, there'll be a lot of people that will think that, oh, although it may be fixed for two years or five years, that my payments won't go up that much, will it, when my fixed rate ends? And they come off a what was the the headline rate's 0.99%, I think. So they come off that ultra low rate at the end of f- five years or whatever. And then they are greeted by, let's say rates are still similar to what they are now, four plus percent. Uh, and then instantly payments jump up. There'll be a lot of people with all their mortgages ending at the same time or a very similar time on that estate going, I now can't afford to live in this house. And if that's the case, then ultimately everyone floods to the market and ultimately them house prices will drop because they're just competing with each other to reduce the asking price against each other. So I think it's kicking the can down the down the road. Um yes, it does solve half a problem, but it does create another problem later down the lines. Can either of you give me a benefit of
0: this scheme and a benefit of buying
2: a new build property?
0: Let's balance it. Let's be balanced here. I, like I'll, jump
2: in. I'll jump in there. So for the right person that's fully thought it through and got proper advice, not potentially one from the developer's broker, that's going to potentially push the product because they're in bed with the developer, how it's set up at the moment. But let's say you've got a young couple that have early in their career progression and then may have a young fam. You've got some childcare costs. Will that provide a solution for them five years until they reach school and there's more income? Yes, it will. And that's probably a good way for them because they've got cheap rates, it's affordable, they can budget accordingly. And then they're potentially when the five years is up, they've got no childcare costs, they're working more, pay rises, then they can stomach the higher rates. I think in that instance, it works well. Where it won't work well is the ones that are, you know, the old, potentially an older applicant, where time's a little bit against them, uh, borrowing up to the maximum based on low rates and then the problem arises later down the line. So if it's explained properly, which, you know, it's up to debate whether it will or not, um, it can work for the right type of person. Now, on the other aspect, benefit of buying a new build is, you know, I've got a semi, well, my, my house was new at the time. Um, did you just you say got I've element... got semi? <laughs> um, so I have got a new build, uh, which is, well, five years old nearly now, but I did buy it brand new. And there's there's some great aspects about it was, yeah, you know, wasn't built buying from one of the big mainstream builders where sometimes you can see on TikTok some questionable work on the snagging or by snag or sure, whoever's doing a I video on it. I love weak that. vents. Always looking <laughs> for it vents. First,
0: it's not out, it's out of plum. <laughs> look yeah. at the weak vents.
2: Um so it's normally them, but you know, I bought from a local developer and you know it's really energy efficient. So prior to energy prices kicking off. Um, I had a fixed rate for gas and electric at £60 per month. Obviously, they went bust, so I'm not paying that no more, but I'm still paying a hell of a lot less than anybody else I know and you know, potentially a you know, sizable house. So it's really efficient in that side of things, less maintenance. I think that suits a lot of people in this day and age. They've got busy lives, so they don't always want a project. The issue sometimes with second-hand properties is... Trade costs have got so much more expensive. So we've always as well considered in the past about a and adding value to it. And then you've then got such big costs to get the trade in to do the renovation. You're like, do I want to live in a dust pit for 18 months while I get this work done and have a big cost to fund where you can just buy a new property? So it does suit the right person. Some people love them. Some people hate them. Um, But it's ultimately depends on the developer and what your preference is and what you want from life.
0: The main thing I took from that was that
1: Jamie has a semi. Oh yeah. what whilst Jamie has a semi, um he's also got a wood fired hot tub. Really? I have got wood fired yeah, hot I tub. I mean to be, to be to be honest, even twenty twenty three. I genuinely want to go to I genuinely want to go to Jamie's house and go in his wood fired hot tub and have. Has a he semi ever invited tub. you though? He, he hasn't yet. But I mean, to be honest, I could probably find his house on a map, and, like Google Earth, and i like, will just, just wake for <laughs> the morning. Jamie, and what would you do the if one... in his hot tub? What would you do, Jamie, if one evening
0: you get a knock on the door and Trollerman Lewis and former City Trader Gary Stevenson were at your door <laughs> ready to use your hot tub? What would you do?
2: I don't think in this world that would actually surprise me if you did, though. Like, that's the mad thing. Yeah. Um, Would you let him in or call the police? I'd probably probably lure him into the tub and then call the police so he doesn't try and get in the house. Um, But yeah, no, bless him. So the invite's always there, lads. The invite's always there. Um, Maybe wait for some nicer weather. I don't want to be standing in the rain, stoking a fire to get the thing up to temperature, that's for sure. But yeah, um, all fun and games.
0: Well, you're always welcome down to... The spa, and we can jump in the hot tub there as well.
1: Oh, we are stuff. now,
0: we are now going to move to I think the how are we doing for time? The last topic that I want to bring in, and I think we're going to keep this as a regular segment because in the future we plan to have guests. On this podcast. We always said that we'd get some momentum going and find our feet at least and see how this software works before we invite people. We're going to get some guests on board and we're going to come to a segment called Business Talk. Now we all technically run our own businesses, and for a lot of brokers who are listening in, they may find it useful to hear about the trials and tribulations of being a broker and or running a business. So I'm going to ask both of you in turn today, what are you finding challenging about running a business in this market? in March
1: 2024 who wants so to go first who's going first I'll go first okay. I'll let Lewis go so the hardest thing so the, the, well there are two aspects to running a business on there? There, there there's the obvious aspect of you need customers that's an obvious one um so how do you get customers for the second one is how do you get those customers into being clients um and so for me. the the biggest, I think this comes down to me being a bit on the spectrum, maybe, but I have a big thing about documents. If I, if, 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 if someone sends me a document and it isn't right, I get really, really shady. Um, so I think the big thing is being efficient. So I've now got a system called content snare, which collects the documents for me. Um, and then I can approve or reject those documents as they go. Um, so that's that's a big thing. Um, the second thing, in terms of how many customers do you have, that, that's obviously a function of your marketing budget, which an element of mine um, is with Jamie. Um, and then of well course, spent. money well spent. Yeah, and then of course all the all the people that Riz didn't speak to, they, they end up speaking to me because they, they don't like Riz because he's too loud. But other than that, yeah, that's me. So basically
0: you're saying that you like people to send you documents in the format that you have requested them in and i think sometimes just put ourselves in our client shoes they probably you know think well surely this is showing the same information and this is enough but uh, lewis just highlight obviously just highlight why it is so important to have the documents in the format that you request them why does it make a difference that something is a, a PDF as opposed to a JPEG or this, that, and the other? So
1: it depends on the lender. Of course, you know, some lenders won't accept JPEGs. Um, you know, many, some will, some won't. But it's about being in the – it's about being able to read the document. So, for example, when people take screenshots of bank statements in a classic, well, I – it's, it's almost impossible to take a screenshot of a bank statement and get and capture everything, unless you've just got one payment in and one payment out. Um, so it's about being able to do do our job accurately and make sure that we're doing the right thing. Um, not to mention that banks and building societies, when they're lending you a load, a load of money, they don't know you from Adam. They, they've got you know, okay, so Joe Bloggs turns up, I earn 40 grand a year, I don't have any commitments, and away I go, and I've got a 50 grand deposit. Great, we need to prove that. And the way that we prove that is with your documents. And therefore, they need to be easily readable by us, but also easily readable by an underwriter. And And an underwriter is not gonna sit and trawl through 15 screenshots, they're just not. I mean, I wouldn't either, quite frankly.
0: Jamie, how are you using technology and processes and automation to make the client journey more
2: seamless? Great question. Great question. I love We all know how much I love tech. Uh, There's normally a text message in the group chat saying, I've now worked out how to do something new. Um, So pretty much, if it's a mundane task... I'm looking for a system that can get rid of me entering something for the sake of something. So, you know, how my process would work is we'd have a initial appointment with clients at which they book in directly off a website via software such as Calendly. That will then feed into my CRM system. So it's already in there. Uh, what CRM system are you using, Jamie? Pipedrive, one and only. Pipedrive. Pipe pipe drive. Pipe drive. Pipe. We get Pipedrive to sponsor the podcast by Maybe. Time. We get Pipedrive t-shirts or something. Maybe. We'll see um So yeah, use that. So that feeds into my CRM, um and I've now just set up a new link as well, where it automates an email off to the client of what to prepare for your appointment. So they automatically get an email saying this. So your options are: you can fill this fact find in, send it all back prior to a meeting, and then we are fully prepared to do some. Do you get the client to fill
0: in a fact find prior to the meeting? Have you ever I've, found a, that a test,
2: Only just started it this week, uh, okay. so I'll feedback on the next one. But it's an option. It's like, you know, to save time on a meeting, you can pre-fill this form. Um, so then it's only the hard fact stuff. The soft stuff is always covered off in the, in the call, uh, but it's given an option if they want to kind of streamline that appointment. So I'll see what the take up is on that, but it gives that option. Then let's say they haven't done that and I'm ready to proceed. We'll have a conversation and then I use most of my stuff I do over Teams. So I will have transcripts turned on. And that will transcript my whole meeting which i then just copy and paste that into uh like, like ai chat gbt we're not talking any personal data because i'm just talking hard facts of the customers at this point about facts and figures and then that will transcribe and caption the key takeaways from that meeting i just copy and then paste it into my crm so i can refer back to it i've then got pre-saved emails in there so i can fire off fact find list of documents i need for that type of client when that can, comes back, that gets automatically saved to my OneDrive, so it's in the right file for them. It updates my CRM. This client's ready to go. Um, so there's lots of stuff like that. Like even this case of when it moves to offer stage, it automatically generates a client in Stripe to pay an invoice. It automatically sends a re- review reminder via zoo. So there's all stuff like that in the background that just saves me clicking stuff pointlessly, uh, and it speeds up the process for me more so. And then the clients are, you know, the, the, the CRM, what we use to capture the, the fact find is a system called well we made our own fact find via job form where you can put all the questions you want yes probably do i need some more information for a mortgage application for my network yes but it's a fact find that allows me to get from a to b as efficiently as possible without the customer losing interest and just giving wrong information so we stick to the stuff that i need to know and if the stuff i can find out from bank stamps payslips I'll leave that to myself because ultimately, more often than not, customers still get it wrong anyway, even if you do ask for it. So, you know, I should keep it nice and streamlined. So you're more likely to get stuff back. But yeah, tech's great. I love it. Um, And it does make my job a lot easier. How long has it taken you to develop
0: that process? I know you're very tech savvy and you're in with all the stuff and all the software and the technology and on the TikToks and on the Instagram. How long has it taken for you to develop that process? There's still many people in our industry who aren't
2: as au okay fait
0: with the latest technology as you are,
2: and one is yeah, on this so podcast. I've tried. Uh, I've tried most or demoed most CRMs in the mortgage space, uh, and I think the big issue for them is they're great if you da. Um, because you need some form of CM CRM, you need something for sourcing, it does everything in it. But if you have a network, more often than not, it's wasted money because you've got a separate CRM you need to fill in with that network. It's double filling so, We've had that issue, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I used to use like eKeeper, I've used Smarter, and just you weren't using it to its full potential. And even that, I still had bugbears with both of them. So, Pipe Drives allows me to use a complete sales CRM and track in the progress of cases, which gets me the bare minimum information I need, and then I do everything else, you know, just just the compliance stuff via my networks on there. But I've implemented this process probably from, I worked on it a lot around Christmas, so January's really got going with this process. I've used Elements of it before with my old CRMs, but Pipedrive's been a a new thing this year, and I have to say, by far, it's the, the best one I've used for the current setup I've got with my network, definitely. So it's Jamie. just
0: basically an off the shelf oh. system that you've used and you've uh, adapted it towards the business process that you've needed. Sorry, Lewis, were you about to say something?
1: Jamie, have you used Acre? Oh.
2: Duh, don't talk, to you. you know You know I want Acre. You know I want it. Um, you know, if I could have an all-in-one system, it's gotta be one. If you could do one, Acre's gotta be up there. I think it's probably Acre and OMS are probably the two better ones of the, the CRMs on the open markets personal opinion um it's if, i think it's a tech race at the moment in time the big net uh, you know touching on networks and stuff like that as well i think it'll be less about splits and what you're going to get and to be more about tech in the next five years about how can you be more efficient at getting a mortgage delivered for a customer uh and i want well,
0: to- Ultimately, we're selling our time. Look, as much as we want to say yes or not, when there's an advice process in, you can automate the data collation and then check and test it, but we're selling our time. I've never understood having somebody who's a qualified advisor, what's this, blah, 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 what's this, blah, 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 blah. That's not what it's there for. Your job is there to give the advice and to be part of that process. There's only X amount of hours in a working week and if we can utilize these tools to make our time more efficient it's going to get us to be able to help a lot more clients a lot quicker
2: agree yeah. and if
0: acre or any of the other uh, crm systems want to sponsor our podcast and we will happily review them independently in Dubai and record it for the podcast. Please get in touch.
1: To be honest, I mean acre, I mean I use Aker day and day out. And it's, it, it, it's brilliant. Never mentioned that before.
0: No, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, I, I don't, I don't know. Keep about it anymore. to yourself. You're very, you're a very closed person.
1: I know, uh, but it, but it is, it is very good. One thing I, w- I would change about it is um, the document collection, because simply because, as I say. I'm a bit ADHD on this kind of stuff, and maybe I'm a bit on the spectrum. And people can upload screenshots on the rest of it, which does frustrate me. You've but never mentioned no, that. that before, neither. No, no, no. no. I, I know. I know. Obviously, this is this is all new information. But um, I agree with Jamie in, in so much as you know what matters is getting the information that you need and require in the format that's useful. That you can do something with, and so the, the more efficient that be, that can become, the better it is. Because let's be honest, or uh, you know, if you split fifteen percent, seventeen percent, thirteen percent, well, it doesn't really matter if you gives you two extra mortgages, does it? What are you What are you playing?
0: No, please continue. This.
1: What What's that? Please continue. Jamie's on mute, so now I've got to continue. Um so yeah, so, so in, in that respect, splits economy are kind of indifferent, aren't they? Because if you, you, you if, if you can transact another piece of business per month, you're laughing. Assuming you have the customers, obviously.
0: Assuming you've got the customers. And that is a topic for another podcast. May I take this opportunity to thank you for joining us on the fifth episode of the No Award winning The Broker Collective podcast. We record these every fortnight to bring you members of the UK mortgage intermediary community. We are also uh, guys getting our podcast Uh, Our podcast is actually global and we are getting quite a lot of hits in the US and also in Canada, according to the data that I'm receiving, uh, because obviously we are available on platforms such as Spotify and on Apple. So may I take this opportunity to our global audience to thank you for joining us today and we will be back with you soon, bringing you the energy Bringing you the important topics, leaving no stone unturned to make sure that this becomes the number one uh, mortgage-related podcast in the world soon. And we are available for sponsorship. Thank you very much, guys. It's been great. And we will catch you next time. Take care.
2: Famous. Everyone out, boys. Bye.